Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. All right, Matt Parfit, the CEO, founder, and principal operator of Grace Enterprises is on the show today. And I'm super excited to have you on just from based on stuff I've studied and a little bit of our talk. I'm so excited to have you on. So thank you for coming on the Bright Vibe podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, Matt. It's, it's always fun having uh, conversations with people across the other side of the Atlantic. Yes. Um, looking forward to seeing where this goes. Yeah, totally, totally. And so, um, so, so you run uh, several different businesses under this uh, uh, name Grace Enterprises. So today, I, just to preface it, so if you're tuning in, you're just listening to see if this is going to be worth your time today to listen or not, I want to kind of explain why it would be worth your time to listen. This is going to get into not just running businesses, but running businesses with social impact, I'd say with spiritual impact, with purpose impact. And so Matt's really going to, the Matt number one, we'll call you Matt number one, I'll be Matt number two. So Matt Uno, Matt Uno is really going to uh, he's got a very interesting story and a very interesting purpose on how he's showing up in the world. And I think it's very inspirational for other entrepreneurs, other business owners, whether they take it as far as you've taken it or not. I think just having you as an inspiration of what you can do I and mean, what can be done to, um, to kind of not only uh, serve business, but serve your communities in the world, I think it's just so inspiring. I'm so happy to have you on. So so tell us a little bit about, well, let's just do this. Let's do an umbrella of kind of just the Grace Enterprise companies, kind of what they are, and then let's back up and, and do kind of, let's back into, you were a school teacher before you were a business person. So let's, yes. let, let's just do an overview of kind of what you're, what, what's under your umbrella, and then we'll kind of back up and say, okay, here's where you started, and then here's really what these businesses are about, if, that's, if yeah. that works for you. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, the umbrella is Grace Enterprises, which is a, a charity, and that is all about transforming lives through supportive employment in our businesses that we run. And we're not just transforming any old life, it's you're creating jobs in the businesses for people with major barriers to work. So people who've been long-term unemployed, but maybe they've been in prison, struggled with addiction issues, homelessness, refugees. But wanting to do it all through business so we can pay people well, the real living wage, and also support them. So mentoring, coaching, the holistic side of things as well. So yeah, we run three businesses, mm -hmm. but they are all the same in one, in, in, in one instance in terms of they employ people like I've just described. They actually are a cleaning business, a biscuit business, and a marquee business. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how we do it at the moment. But what we do is um, supportive employment. And so when you say, and is this a for-profit or is Grace Enterprises a for-profit or a not-for-profit? Yeah. So Grace Enterprises itself is not-for-profit, but it. then each of the businesses wholly owned by the charity are for-profit. Okay. So they generate the profits to be able to be reinvested for social good. So I think what we're trying to do is combine the best of both. So mm -hmm. the heart and compassion of a charity mm -hmm. with the sustainability and the wealth creation of a business. And, mm -hmm. But locking that in for social purpose, and then right. reinvesting profits for good. And so, so let's go through the uh, through the business. So there's a cleaning business. When you say cleaning, you're cleaning houses, businesses. You're cleaning clothes. What are you cleaning? Yeah, commercial cleaning. So offices, buildings, like cabins are uh, the the main things that we do. So commercial cleaning company based here in Nottingham in England. Okay. And 
Then we, our second business is um, a marquee company or a big tent company, as I think right. I should be calling right. it yes. here. Yeah. So think weddings or big company events, putting up marquees and, um, or big tents. And then our third one is um, our, our biscuit business or making cookies, essentially, right. I think you'd say. So yes. we are making those and selling them. So what, and what's, that's the most recent. And the interesting thing is running a service that's very local to our city. And then with the big tents, running a service that's more regional, mm -hmm. but now making a product in the third one that doesn't have the same geographical limitations. That's mm -hmm. the one that's really exciting in terms of growth, but also um, re replicability as well as the, the scalability. And, and the, so those, uh, that's what we're doing right now. And, and are all these under like a Grace Cleaners and a Grace, what's the brand names, I guess, of these three? Yeah, they've actually all got distinctive names. So okay. the cleaning business is Radiant Cleaners. Uh, the, the marquee company is Jubilee Events. And then the third one, the biscuits is half the story because we'd be saying, yeah, it's a great tasting biscuit, but that is only half, half the story. The story. It's okay. really about the people. It's not about the biscuit. It's about the people who made it. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. And so, um, so you've got these businesses that you're the CEO and founder of. I, I'll be curious uh, later in the conversation. I'd like to get in just how that works for you as yeah. well. You, you're, you're paid then. I'm well, or maybe we'll do it right now. You're paid as a CEO to run those for the not-for-profit. Is that? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. So you were a school teacher. What and then, yeah. but then you transitioned to business. So let's just go that far back. Um, because I don't think you were married at that time, right? You were still single when you were school. Teacher? No, I was, we were married. Um, been married two or three years, and I was as teaching here in a primary school, so teaching five or six year olds at that point. Okay, so you're teaching. So for us, it would be probably kindergarten, um, yeah. ish or first grade. So you're teaching kindergarten, first grade esque. Um, and uh, so you're a school teacher, and then one day you're just like, you know what, I'm going to get into business. Um, is that what, what, what kind of, cause you had, you had owned a more traditional business and then you got into Grace Enterprises. Is that accurate to yeah, say? Yeah. So let me take you from say 2006. Okay. Um, so we are, we're married at this point. My wife and I have been married a couple of years and, um, we get to go to Kenya in Africa. And so she's training as a medical doctor and we go over there. She gets to do a three month placement somewhere in the world, learning something different. And so she works in a hospital there and I went with her and worked in a school oh. thinking, will we be called overseas, um, to go and to go and work overseas or even to be missionaries overseas? Cause our faith mm -hmm. would be really very crucial to us. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just a great opportunity, young in our twenties, married, no kids at this point, let's okay. go. And actually we didn't, we didn't feel called to that. Um, but what was most telling uh, right at the end is we went at the end of that trip to see a church, um, in Northern Kenya. And it was amazing, best church I've ever seen. What was really inspirational was in, a, in an area that was poor and in an area where you'd think there'd be loads of famine relief and aid going in to actually um, help people in that area. It was the opposite. They were, it turned out this church were running businesses. They were employing people. They were wealth creators. Their famine outreach was incredible. They were building a hospital, a school, all kinds of different things. And it was just really inspiring. So I think the idea of, business for good and business related to a church was really born then, mm -hmm. but um, I probably fast forward a year to 2007 and you, you weren't far wrong when it was like, um, one day you decided to. So it was, um, it was in May, 2007 and it genuinely was, I felt God speak to me on that day. Mm -hmm. So that's a Saturday and on Monday morning, I handed in my notice. So, <laughs> when, so what, did your, what did your um what did your better half think about that what did, better half in america is your spouse yeah. i don't know what it is and i don't know what it he, is in england but 
she was fine with it. Because I think, I mean, that came, it was a sudden moment, but it was also coming at the end of a season of like, knowing lots of people whose lives had been changed and transformed, mm -hmm. but actually they were still stuck because they'd, they'd been to school and they got no qualifications. Maybe they'd been in prison. They'd got no work history. So their life had changed, but actually they couldn't get a job. They, they were still surrounded by the same bad influences, still living in the same area, too much time, not enough money. And I was getting frustrated. Like someone needs to give these people a job. Someone needs to do something about it. So that's the context up to then feeling like, actually, I believe God's calling me to be that person to do something about it. Um, and that was really clear. So therefore Monday morning, so she, and she was with me, so she was supportive. Right. And so Monday morning, handed him a notice in, but the head teacher was slightly more puzzled. He's like, <laughs> how was your weekend? Oh yeah, it was good. By the way, here's this letter. And uh, where did that come from? Right, right. And so, so, so even in that first business, which I think was a for-profit, right? Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. So that first business, which I think was landscaping, right? That's we, right. Yeah. We would call it landscaping. So in landscaping, um, that was a for-profit, but even with that, your intention was to start a business to help others who could not be gainfully employed. Is that kind Absol of the... Absolutely. Okay. Like that, that Monday morning with the head teacher was saying, where's this come from? Mm -hmm. What schools poached you? Where are you? What are you leaving? Why are you going... I couldn't get, like, what are you going to do? Which is a perfectly valid question. Yeah, like yeah, someone, yeah. someone mid twenties right. is handing in their notice on their career. Right, right. Like three years. So it's like, what are you going to do then? And I said, I don't know, but I'm going to be an employer. Mm. So I don't, I'd never felt called to landscaping. Right. Landscaping was just the vehicle. How to be an employer of people with major barriers to work that no one else was employing. That was the thing. And then my mind starts going to what, how will I actually do that? What will the business be? And then it's landscaping, but it's very much, I was never called to be a landscaper. I was I called think, to be, oh yeah. I think, well, you're definitely a, a, an entrepreneur because that it's like, you know, they say entrepreneur jumps out of the plane and builds a parachute on the way yeah. down. So it sounds like that's yeah. kind of the approach. So you definitely have that entrepreneurial uh, blood running through your veins. So you basically just went in and said, I quit. Now I got to figure out what I'm going to do for a job. Is that, is that, or did you know it was that landscaping? That was it, yeah. I mean, no, knowing <laughs> that the goal was not, I'm right. going to build this or I'm going to do that. But actually, how can I create jobs that yeah, are going yeah, to yeah. track lives? Right, right. I love it. I love it. So, so you went in, you gave your notice, and then just uh, how did it unfold from there? Yeah. Well, I would say God was really faithful. I knew nothing about gardening. Um, mm -hmm. It made it work. So it grew from like uh, things like garden maintenance, so cutting hedges and cutting lawns. Uh -huh. Yep. People, so, and I thought, bare minimum, I can do that and someone else can clean up after me. And then if they don't turn up for work, right. I'll clean right. up after myself right. and let, let's go from there and see what happens. And so, but it grew yeah. to things like decking and driveways and patios. Oh. And so over the 10 years that I did that for, um, employed uh, 35 guys, mm -hmm. but we also had three kids during that time. So some of that oh, time wow. I was part-time, some I was full-time, I was even a stay-at-home dad for a year, but worked for 10 years doing gardening, um, employing right. people and it, and it just seemed to grow. And it were really landscaping. It sounds like even hardscape. You were getting in a driveway, so you're pouring concrete. Is that you were? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Were. So, so you were doing major. You you did land. What we would call in the states landscape. You're really. You're not just cutting the hedges or doing lawns. You're you're, yeah. You're doing construction at that point. Yeah, and and that was that was part of the fun of it. I mean, but still to this day, the last qualification on my CV says primary school teacher. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, I've, I've genuinely believed, called to do it. Let's make it happen and just gone for it. 
And then, so you said you did that 10 years and obviously you've transitioned over to this Grace Enterprises. So then I guess what, what happened at the, and feel free to interject any, any color or anything we should know along the way. I'm kind of skipping to the end of that chapter, but certainly if you want to back up, you can. What, what happened? You, you keep referencing these 10 years. So what happened at the end of the 10 years? Yeah. It didn't take many of those 10 years for me to get frustrated with mm -hmm. the fact that I was really only employing physically fit guys who were working all day oh, and sleeping hard. And I was actually, hang on a minute, who's employing the former addict who's actually can't do a day's digging? Who's employing the single parent that's doing right. the school runs and actually can't work? It was so many people that I couldn't employ. Right. And I think, so getting that frustration, thinking someone else needs to start another business. I'd never thought gardening would solve a big problem, but actually always thought it needs multiple things. I just, in those early days, I thought other people would start the other things. And then I had a realization, no one else is coming along here. No one's going to start the other thing. <laughs> and actually the realization that I'd become the bottleneck. So oh, actually yeah. I had to do all the skilled work or the quotes or the customer relationships. And so therefore it was limited. Most I ever employed, I think was five or six guys at any one time. Got it. So it was, there was a limit and I was it. And so I realized, hang on a minute. I was never called to be a gardener. Mm -hmm. If the gardening is too complicated to multiply, let's lay that down. So I did. So stop oh. that to okay. start something else to say, actually, it's about being an employer. It's about employing a wider range of people. It's about employing mm -hmm. more people. And also, so that's the sort of bit of background, along with the fact that I'd always wanted to do it with the church, hence uh -huh. having seen that in Kenya. And that's not what had happened in those 10 years, but that is then what happened in 2017. So I mean, I go to a church, for example, called Grace Church in Nottingham mm -hmm. that we started Grace Enterprises, where I was saying this will be on a completely different level if rather than it be, Matt's quite a nice guy, he'll do your garden well, you can trust him. Okay, that will, that it was good and it worked. But actually, wouldn't it be a bit more interesting if it was, here's the church often deemed irrelevant in society, actually mm -hmm. relevant as an employer and getting our hands and feet dirty in society, really making a difference in lives rather than it being one individual. Um, and they said, yes, 2017, hence mm -hmm. the restart and then started with the three businesses that we now run today. And so you started with the cleaners and then you added on the other two. Yeah, that's right. 2017 started cleaning and then it was very end of 2021. We started the, the big tent business. Mm -hmm. And so we've done two seasons now, 22 and 23. And then only last year, middle of 2023, we started um, our third business, the, the, um, the cookie business. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. And so how many employees do you have over those three enterprises now? Yeah, currently, we employ about 50 people. Nice. And, but in terms of momentum, uh, numbers to dates would be about 120. That'll so you can through. see from that, there's a real momentum right now and things are growing. Um, and it's, we don't see ourselves as a destination for our employees. Right. There are a couple of people who've been here from the very beginning and, and mm -hmm. that's great. Maybe they mm -hmm. never leave. Maybe they work for us. But for most, we're more of a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. So people coming and needing to either rebuild their confidence or get a relevant CV or whatever it might be, maybe six months, nine months, even a year working for us and then mm -hmm. moving on to another job. And that clearly creates a space for someone else. So that's right. um, it's a joy. It's a win if someone stays, but it's a real win if someone leaves and moves on to another job. Yeah, I know a good friend of mine owns a bunch of restaurants here in the States and and, you know, in the restaurant business, typically you're hiring uh, and they're in fast food. So it's younger, you know, these are high school kids, yeah. maybe early college. And so, you know, they've really, he's really embraced, um, this thought of, you know, we're, we're that first 
kind of job where that first job experience. So we really want to educate them on some management skills, some leadership skills, some you know life skills so that, you know, when they go on to get their next job, you know, the next up the ladder. So he really looks at it as kind of, a, you know, an education platform for young adults um, so that they can maybe have a little bit better foot up when they go on to the next thing or once they get a degree or, or move yeah. on to whatever job. So he's versus I'm losing people. It's more like he's, it's his ministry, right? And it is a for-profit, but it's kind of his ministry to help people in those ways. And they've done some not-for-profit stuff that they do with their employees to help them with education and things like that. Yeah. And so, right. And so how's this been, I guess, um, received uh, maybe in the church or in the communities that you're in? Yeah, I think at first people were very skeptical about the idea of what we're trying to do, as in we're saying, we're going to take people who no one else will employ or no one, no one is employing right now. Right. And then we're going to pay more than the minimum. We'll pay the real living wage rather than mm -hmm. run the minimum. And we're going to run sustainable businesses mm -hmm. and then reinvest the profits. Well, mm -hmm. it sounds, how can we deliver a reliable service mm -hmm. using people who could be labeled unreliable? Right. And that's the sort of the paradox in there. So, but I think nobody would question what we're trying to do or right. like the heart behind it. So everyone is for me at this point, I think. They're mm -hmm. just not sure we'll be able to pull it off. But I right. suppose now coming into this, I've got 10 years of, um, of like putting my money where my mouth is with the gardening at this point, mm -hmm. saying, right. well, actually, I gave up my teaching career. We've done this and you've seen the fruit of it. So probably I had a lot more um, sort of momentum in 2017 than in or credibility than in right. 2007, where it's like, what has happened here? Let's, let's watch what happens. But um, so really, I think there are a lot of people who, who love the idea and therefore we've been really blessed with people who've like been those sort of first adopters. They've been our customers that have mm -hmm. got behind us early on and trusted us. And ultimately the reputation we've got is to get it done and, it, and we found a way. And so people love it because I'm not convincing people on a building site that they need their work cabins cleaning. They right. know that. It's right. wet, it's rainy, it's muddy. It's, they need, they, someone's got to clean them. So why wouldn't they pay us to clean them if actually we can deliver the social value, we can deliver the heart, we can deliver lives transformed mm -hmm. through their supply chain. I'm not asking them for extra money. Right. Please give the same. money to charitable yeah. contribution. I'm saying, you know that thing you already buy, we'll buy it from us and change some right. lives. Instead right. of something rich somewhere, we'll mm -hmm. reinvest it and, and change mm -hmm. lives. So that's how it's, how it's started. And enough people like it and enough people like us. Now it's relatively easy. Mm -hmm. and start new stuff because we've got customers who will testify and say, these guys are great. Right. Yeah. Like any business. Yeah. You built up yeah. a customer, loyal customer base. And then the story obviously does help. You, you, you talk about changing lives and, and transforming lives, I guess. Um, what have you seen, you know, cause you're, what, we're 17, so you're seven years ish or just the beginning yeah. of seven years in. So kind of what have been some of the, I guess, tell us kind of maybe some of the things um, that have come out of this ministry and then also um, some things that you didn't expect uh, in, in maybe uh, that, that just you, you were like, wow, I would, never would have guessed we would have been able to do X or Y or Z or yeah. that this would have happened. So first, let's just start with kind of the, you know, the people that you employ, what's been their experience, I guess, or what, or, or if you can isolate it even down to a couple actual people's people. Yeah. Yeah. Happily tell you a, a few stories, and I don't want to give the impression that for everyone that ever comes and works for us, life is rosy thereafter. And right. the vast majority of people, 
um, it works. I think there are some where it hasn't worked so well, but um, yeah, in terms of like well over 90% of people really supportive of what they're doing, saying this has made a huge difference in their lives, but no one's ever come to me and said, thank you for making me a better cleaner, for example. <laughs> right, right. What they will say is thank you for this job. It's given me hope. It's given me purpose. It's given me dignity. It's helped me restore relationships with my family. Mm. It's, it's given yeah, the purpose. I can think of one lady who came to me and was saying, thank you for not sacking me when you could have done, which mm. was quite insightful because she was really hard to employ at that point in time. <laughs> but then she was, she was, she was saying like, it's this job is the thing that's kept me going. I would have ended mm. it all if it wasn't right. for that. The rest right. of her life was chaotic. Things mm. were going wrong, but this job. Um, so like whatever inconvenience I felt in having to, um, just give her another chance and employ her and accommodate her, mm -hmm. there's nothing compared to the difference it's made. She's now become a grandmother and actually oh, wow. life is still not brilliant for her, but it's significantly better than it was. And it makes a difference there. Another lady, um, one of our, a really great employee, she was probably coming up to like near retirement and age thinking she'd never get another job. She was unemployed and that was before COVID came along. Mm -hmm. So thinking I will never work, but actually then she was able to, to get a job with us. So, and she's been absolutely amazing and people love her when she's working on um, construction sites. She's got a great um, repartee with the, the mm -hmm. team there. She gets on so well. And, and she would say, yeah, this job's given me that hope and that purpose. I thought I'd never work again. This it's like a family, the supportive element of it. When we have our socials, whether that's, 10 pin bowling or whatever social it might be, then I think this job is more than a job for people. Um, it's, it, yeah, it gives them a different identity. And for people who've been struggling in life, all of a sudden being part of something else and part of something that's actually working, I think mm -hmm. has really been part of the, the life-changing aspect. Hmm. Yeah, that's very cool. And so, and so now let's go kind of on to part two of that, of that question, yeah. which is, um, what have been some of the things that you've been surprised by, I guess, on this particular part of your journey? I mean, I guess because I was absolutely convinced at the beginning, then it shouldn't be a surprise, but the amount of people that keep applying to work for us, we're currently mm -hmm. doing some job interviews and got some great people who have got jobs who are saying, we want to come and be part of this adventure. Mm -hmm. So I think, and that's sort of like in our office team or people that have like started off volunteering who are now working for us. And then I've got a mortgage who we were, that was never the intention to like be giving them proper jobs so they could get, it was an unintended, real positive consequence. Right. Right. And there's been so many different things like that, sort of the positive fruits and byproducts of the work. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And when employees come back, when they're talking about what they've gone to next and seeing people, there's a, there's a postman in Bermuda, for example. But there's, um, but more people would be in Nottingham working in offices or other jobs. Mm -hmm. And it's great to see people moving on and fulfilling their calling or moving on the next step in their career um, mm -hmm. is really satisfying. And also the, the big surprise for me right now has always been someone who does stuff and makes stuff happen, like the gardening business. Mm -hmm. Actually now, nowadays, um, I'm not making stuff happen. I'm not putting the, the big tents up. I'm not baking biscuits. I'm not out right. cleaning. So I think empowering other people, leading through others, that kind of thing. I'm really enjoying pulling a team together, casting vision, but seeing other people run with it, people better than me to make stuff happen is, um, it, that's a real joy to see people thrive. Totally, totally, totally. So you've got some interesting stuff here. You've got Grace Enterprises, you've got Half the Story, which is Cookie, you've got your businesses, but then 
tell me a little bit about this, um, the TV thing. And then also, I don't know anything about faith-driven entrepreneurs. So let's start with the TV thing. So what's this TV thing? You, you, Because uh, I, I did watch an episode, but you've got this... <laughs> um, You've got this TV program in the UK on TBN. What is TBN? Is that a... Yeah, so TBN, I think it stands for Trinity Broadcasting Network. There's a UK okay. version, but it's quite big in the States, I think, in, okay. some, yep. in some places. But that was... Yeah, I got to know the, the producer or the, the owner of the station, mm-hmm. and he was sort of looking at what we were doing in terms of like faith playing a key role in business decisions. And right. so the series is called All In. And I think when you hear like my story or my wife, then having quit being a family doctor to be part of this, it's like, so some people would describe us as being all in, but like we've really, really gone for it. And right. so I got the chance, they asked me if I'd be happy to, to present something. So episode one is us, me, my wife and the church leader saying, why are we doing this? Right. And then, but the other 11 episodes are out me going around the country, interviewing people in a there's one in a recycling factory. There's one in a, one of the biggest banks in the world. There's a mm-hmm. community singing group. So really diverse, mm-hmm. whole range of people. What does it mean for them to be all in in their different contexts? Mm-hmm. What sacrifices have they made? Why have they done what they've done? How have they listened to God and really gone for it? Because the answer from someone who's working in corporate banking is not a financial sacrifice. He's getting paid loads of money. Mm-hmm. But actually, maybe he's away from his family quite a lot, but he can see that he can make real change with philanthropists across the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone who's sacrificed part of their job to to lead a singing group that's trying to combat dementia in old people mm-hmm. is a very different sacrifice. But in a different way, she's very much fully committed and, and is all in. So that was what that was all about. And it was good fun for me to, um, I've been interviewed a fair bit, but actually being the interviewer. Um, right put me on the other side and it was, it, that was, yeah, it was good fun. Yeah. That's really cool. And then what's this? And I did. And so I did watch a series, you know, the first episode on your, on your TV yeah. series, which is really cool. Cause all this stuff is that it's pulling up for me as a link tree, but it, is it just straight up uh, grace enterprises.co.uk? Yeah, that would be the best place. Go mm-hmm. grace enterprises.co.uk. That link right. tree address was the one that's got, cause it's so many websites of all the different got businesses. Got it. Got it. So all collated in one place. If anyone wants to see, just one link to find six different things. Yeah, um, I got it. But yeah, then what, driven entrepreneur, yeah, what is a that? Group of, a group of guys from the States who are saying mm. that there are people who are running businesses that are changing lives and faith would be part of what's driving them. And mm-hmm. what are the characteristics of that? And I think that, I mean, I've recorded a podcast with them, but, but more interestingly might be that they came over here to, to film. So mm-hmm. a lot of the case studies would be um, in the States and some really inspiring, huge businesses on their website. And they've got a great book as well, but actually less, they had less content from around the world. So I think mm. they, they came over to the UK, filmed a few stories. And the thing I think they couldn't get their head around would be why, like the risk and reward is quite, is quite a, a normal understood thing. And it probably, to my mind, it's quite American of like, yeah, we're going to go for it. We're going to start a new business. And it's, if it works, we'll make, we'll make a reward. We'll get that reward. Right, take right. The they could not understand why would I start? Three things mm-hmm. and have zero percent equity in any of them. Right. So why would I take all the risk but get none of the reward? Even if it works, I'm not going to get the reward. <laughs> and that was that was really fascinating to explore the well, I suppose the faith driven element to it, and actually right. why we're doing it this way. And um, but yeah, that's we've we've done some content with them, and yeah, that's that was that link. Very cool. Let's have you answer that question that. 
that you just posed is kind of like, you know, because we've been talking about faith. We've been talking about that this is important to you, but why are you actually, because you just mentioned all these very good points that these gentlemen had. Yeah. So, so what is the answer to that question? Um, so you don't have equity. You know, there's, there's no, um, long, I mean, this isn't a retirement plan for you. You can't sell this at the end. I mean, you can't grow it up and sell it, right? Because it's a not-for-profit. And so, so what's the deeper why you're, you're doing this? Yeah, I think, Going back to the, why am I not a teacher? Why am I not, maybe I'd be a head teacher by now, who knows? But actually that it was God's call. It was, so it's a faith thing. I genuinely believe that God exists. Genuinely believe he speaks and believe he spoke to me. So from that point onwards, it's hard to then not do what I feel like I've been instructed to do. And in terms of like the why with the people, I think I really recognize that I've had a great start in life, can't complain about anything, great family, background, et cetera, et cetera, education, healthy, white, male, middle class, got all the advantages the world can offer. But there are so many people who don't have that and are actually, um, yeah, disadvantaged in so many ways. And rather than me just, um, just yeah, carry on teaching, I mean, I was teaching in a rough part of town, so I was already mm -hmm. doing my bit as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could already check that box. Yeah. yeah, but actually... There's, that's yeah, potentially I could have done that, but there's a difference between potential and purpose. Potentially mm -hmm. I could do loads of things, right. but what is the purpose of these few years we've got on earth? And I would say that God has demonstrated his love for me in so many different ways and has ultimately given up his son for me. So what mm -hmm. is it for me giving up and risking um, a teaching career for, the, for people? Maybe there'll be people who would never work if I didn't take a risk, but the risk for me is low because... I've got a supportive family. I'm not going to end up homeless. Someone would bail me out. It'd be right. fine. But there are people who are on the streets tonight who haven't got that. And maybe if we start a business, maybe if we can employ them, we can make a difference there. So that's been a motivation for why we would do it at all. And in terms of why do it with this model, I think it is so countercultural that actually it does raise a question of like, why would you do this? But ultimately, I'm not motivated by money. I wouldn't right. see myself as a business person per se. Like I said, last qualification teacher, but I think actually doing it for, for other reasons, doing it for God's glory rather than mine mm -hmm. um, is, yeah, that would be the motivation. But it does mean that if people don't have a faith, they would be quite puzzled because they'd be saying, you've heard voices and then you've ditched your career. Well, that's not quite strange. You could get right. locked, that kind of thing. But right. okay, the, the fruit would be that it's working. So then either you're really lucky or you're really clever. Right. And I'd be saying I'm, I'm neither of those. Um, I'm just an ordinary guy who follows an extraordinary God. And yeah, that's, that's easy for me to explain, but if you don't believe in that, it's like, what's your frame of reference? So <laughs> right, yes. always leads to an interesting conversation. Totally, totally, totally. What could a business owner who already has an existing business, it's a for-profit, it's a going concern. They already have employees. What are maybe some steps that they could take or some things to think about that could help? Cause you know, I, um, I've gone to some conferences called uh, Conscious Capitalism, which is put on by the founder of Whole Foods. And they talk a lot about, not in the not-for-profit space, but in the for-profit space, how do we use business as, for social change? And as, as yes. uh, you can use capitalism for good in the world yes. um, uh, and still, you know, still own a company and still make a profit and eventually sell it someday. So, so sure. what kind of advice or what kind of guidance or wisdom could you give to a business owner who's like, wow, this is really cool. Kind of, but what can I do in my business? Yeah. And I would say the sensible way of doing things is to run a good business, make a lot of money and then choose to set up a charitable foundation, do something good. 
Um, the fact that we've done it the other way around is, um, yeah, it makes it quite interesting and it, and also really hard work. But um, yeah, that would be the the God coming through and using people who are not a businessman who's like, if I got to 60 and made a load of money and then said, oh, I'm going to be nice now, that is a great thing to, that's a great thing to do. And I'm not trying to knock it, right. but it's even more interesting than someone saying, well, I'm not equipped to do any of these things, mm-hmm. but this is where we're going. Watch this space. Mm-hmm. And then when it starts to happen, um, it, it, at least everyone knows it's not to do with me. But um, I think that's, yeah, for us, the supportive employment is absolutely crucial. Mm-hmm. So my wife, Sam, gave up her job to be, yeah, to do that side of things. So we do coaching, mentoring. We would have a, a an index where we're sort of doing reviews of people re- um, every very relevant, sorry, frequently. And actually then they're setting their own targets and skills and, um, and numbers saying, um, whether that's to do with their housing situation, drugs, alcohol, relationships, money workplace skills, there are um, 12 different things. And it's saying, well, maybe you've scored yourself as a six. How can we get that to be a seven or an eight? Mm -hmm. And so actually helping people to fulfill their own goals rather than putting middle-class ideas on them. But it's like, how, which of these do you want to work on? How can we support you Mm -hmm. provide and doing things like providing English lessons? So I think we have nine uh, refugees working for us now, seven of them Ukrainian refugees. Mm -hmm. So again, being able to provide some English lessons, or whether it's money advice or debt management, there are so many different things that are, that we just, it's just a job at the end of the day. We're employers, we're giving people a job, right. but in some ways it just means we can do life with them. And mm-hmm. there are so many other aspects to life that are going on, whether it's struggling with relationships, bereavement, like mm-hmm. I said, money advice, other things. So that holistic side is so important. It allows people to do better at work as well. Right. It means that actually you're going to, I wouldn't not do it if I was trying to make money. I think right. actually doing it would mean a more productive workforce and a more engaged workforce. You can imagine the loyalty we have within our team is really huge. People mm-hmm. who might never have got another job working for us and um, who would run through brick walls for us because mm-hmm. actually um, they see this as part of their family. And, and so I think, yeah, to any business person, doing that bit that is outside of the work bit, so the holistic piece mm-hmm. is absolutely crucial. I think it's, um, it's over half of our team have struggled with mental health at some point. Mm-hmm. So being aware of that and accommodating them in their, their work patterns has been absolutely key. So being supportive has been, has been crucial. Yeah, like the holistic, this support bit is what makes it work. That's what makes it different. Otherwise, it's just, we're just running some businesses. We're employing some people. Yeah, we employ hard to employ people, but we're making a profit. And, but actually, we'd say, yeah, we're going to make a profit, but we're going to reinvest that in good. But along the way, we're going to treat people with dignity. We're going to pay them well. We're going to look after them the way that you or I would want to be looked after if we fell on hard times. Mm-hmm. And actually, there, I think there's a lot to be said for, yeah, for treating people as you would want to be and um, to be treated. And yeah, we, we, we have a lot of joy in seeing people's lives transformed. Um, but that's how we've been doing it so far with a vision for doing it again in other businesses. Because it's, it's like, well, why can't we do it again? It's nothing to do with cleaning or the right. big tents right. or, the, or the cookies. Right. Yeah. It's the, right. It's kind of the value system that you're bringing to those, to those things. Not, yeah. Yes. It's, it, it applies more broadly, I guess, is what I'm trying to say there. Yeah. And so what's kind of the next, uh, so, so you just kind of led into that as well, but what's kind of the next, what, what's in store for 2024 for Grace Enterprises? Yeah. So having started a business in the last last year and the year before I've been banned from starting anything. This year. So, <laughs> See, I, that's how I know you're an entrepreneur because I, <laughs> I, I, 
I get that same advice. <laughs> yeah. So I promised my wife we won't start anything. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. I'll keep saying that aloud just to make it happen. <laughs> until yeah, so until January one, <laughs> but all the planning can go into it this yeah. year. <laughs> and then we might be we might register a couple of things on January the first. <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah, the the aim for this year is I think we'll see organic growth in our in our two sort of established businesses. So with Radiant Cleaners and and Jubilee Events. But then the real challenge this year and what we've got real faith for is to see the, the biscuit, the cookie business grow. Mm -hmm. And so what that will look like is going from the current 10, 11 employees we've got right now up to say 40. We're going to oh, move wow. production site. We're going to be producing a lot more, selling a lot more. But this, this time around, we've partnered with a national homeless charity oh, and it's got, there's a particular focus on homelessness in this mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. And our aim is now to, to replicate, so to go across the country, um, whereas with the services, they're very localized and I would, I wouldn't necessarily yeah. think they're going to replicate as easily. Whereas yeah. if we, we've deliberately gone for a really simple product and done, done very well, but simple, so it can be replicated. So the aim for this year is, yeah, nothing new, but to go national, um, mm -hmm. maybe we go new, something new next year, or maybe we go international next year. Right, right. And so you're looking to put uh, facilities in different cities? Is that what I'm yeah. hearing? Yeah. If, once we can prove the model, right. people who have been homeless or faced other major barriers to work, rather than being literally left on the streets, mm -hmm. can be housed by charities mm -hmm. that house people. They can right. be employed by people like us. And actually, there is a future. There is purpose. People can have yeah, a different story. Mm -hmm. Then I think it is, you can imagine that doing that through our model, which creates money, is an awful lot cheaper than having to support people with through mm -hmm. the, the health service or through right. prison, police or anything else. Right. So genuinely believing that if we can prove this model with a product that can go nationally or even internationally, then actually our, the, the offer that we've got, the value proposition we've got can also go elsewhere. And the, the, the charity are already across the whole country. They're national. So therefore, our plan would be to find some partners from within the 90, I think it is, they've got around the country to, to do the supportive employment piece, open up a second bakery. And if we can make that work, then things will get really interesting. Yeah, very, very cool. Using business for good. I think so often, you know, uh, business gets a black eye because what the media pumps out, at least in the States, um, I have not read anything in the UK, but in the States that, you know, they always take a big business that's done some unethical things and some bad things. And then they blow that up and it becomes movies and it becomes social media and, and everybody gets on the hate bandwagon. But in reality, you know, I think it's, I can't even know the numbers here anymore, but it's like 90% of business or 95% of businesses are small businesses owned that have yeah. less than, you know, 10 employees. And it's usually proprietor and their spouse potentially. And, and they're doing, those are the, those are the people who sponsor little league and, those are the people yeah. who, you know, uh, help out people who are in yeah. need, right? Those are the people that give free services to the families that need free services and the bereavement and yeah. all that stuff. So, you know, what you're talking about here, you know, small business is such, it, small business is such a positive impact on communities and society as a whole. And you've just, you're just taking it kind of another step further and saying, well, let's just yeah. do it intentionally for that reason, right? Let's do it intentionally to have social impact. Um, Absolutely. I think business at its worst is awful. Capitalism running yeah. free is awful. So right. it is exploitative. The rich mm -hmm. get richer, the poor get poorer, the environment gets wrecked at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's not good. But I totally agree with you. I think business has the potential 
to, to do no harm, but even better than that can be redemptive. Actually, wealth creating is a sustainable way, therefore, of really changing things, coming up with innovative business solutions, mm-hmm. the, being able to change families and change communities through employment. Mm-hmm. That is the sustainable way of doing things and believing we can also right some of the wrongs with the planet as well, deal with some of the inequality. But if that was through a charity model, we're going to need an awful lot of resource poured into it. Mm-hmm. If we could do it through business, it funds itself. It, it, right. It's self-funding. Right. Solely. And that's, that's, that's what, you know, hopefully that is the model or that is a model that moves forward. That is that, that, um, you know, more small business owners and not-for-profit businesses can adopt is kind of this whole social uh, movement, social platform, because there's making money, you know, I've always, uh, you know, the, a lot of people who reference the Bible say, you know, the root of all evil is money's the root of all evil, which is not exactly what the scripture, what, what is not what the scripture was intended to say. I mean, mean, but, but ultimately I have found in my life, typically if it doesn't matter what level of the echo, the socioeconomic scale, your ladder you're on, money just amplifies whatever you already are. If, if you're a, if you're a bad person, guess what? You get money. It's just, it's going to just be more bad. Right. And that's not proper grammar, but it says school teacher. I apologize. But, but the, but if you're, if, if your heart and you're centered on God and you're, you're, you know, true to your faith or whatever that, if you have guiding principles and virtues that are in alignment with good and you get more money, guess what? Good things happen. You can do good with those things. So I think there, again, there's a, that kind of stereotypical, oh, if you, you own a business, you must have stole something or robbed. It's like, no, no, no. You, no. Most, the high majority of businesses only get to where they are because they're adding lots of value to other people's lives. Otherwise, nobody's buying their product or service. It's not like, if your cookies tasted like crap, doesn't matter how uh, altruistic or how much you're doing for others, nobody's going to buy those cookies, right? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and that Bible verse is like the love of money, isn't it? Yeah, the love of money. And, And actually, and I, yeah, anyone who's got money is their primary objective, ultimately, that Rockefeller quote, isn't it? Like how much money is enough? And it's just, just a little bit more. And money doesn't, money doesn't satisfy. No, however much you've got, there's always a new right, toy right. to go and buy. However expensive that yacht is or the, a new island, like it doesn't right, right. satisfy. But actually doing it for different reasons. And I guess that's partly why I'd be doing it as a, as like not going back to the previous question about not owning anything. It's like, like people love working with us because they can see everything is asset lock. It's all going to, they, right. they don't know why we do it, but they like the idea that right. actually right. they'll give us their work because it's just a free shop. Like right. nobody's going to run off and get rich here. And so right. actually seeing that all the money's reinvested makes a huge difference. Um, but yeah, it, it is, as you've just described, um, yeah, business when it's done well has the ability to, to really change lives. And yeah, I'd love to see more um, business with purpose as a center. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. And so um, kind of as a, just uh, taking all the life lessons you've learned, what's one piece of wisdom as we wrap up our session today, what's one piece of wisdom that you would just, if you had, if you could share this with all 8 billion other people on the face of the earth, <laughs> right? Not, not just in, in your specific, with your specific, what we've been talking about today, but just in general, I guess, what, what piece of wisdom would that be? Yeah, I, I guess it would be about treating other people the way that you would want to be treated not having too high an opinion of yourself oh this could never happen to me look at these poor people that need a handout from me but recognizing that almost like there but by the grace of god go i kind of thing it would be easy enough 
for a few bad decisions here or a few circumstances happening for any of us to fall through the cracks and, and end up on the streets. So, so recognizing that and being able to, to recognize that either you could have ended up there or knowing that the people who've ended up there, it's not necessarily their own fault. It probably isn't. And actually giving someone an opportunity to, to have a second chance, a third chance, or in some cases it's a first chance for us, Mm. but actually giving someone an opportunity in life, um, yeah, is incredibly rewarding. And, uh, so I would, yeah, I think it'd be around that rather than having too high an opinion of yourself but actually trying to love and serve others in that way. I love it. I love it. Well, Matt, thank you for coming on the Bright Light podcast. Feel free. To, I love talking to people from around the world that are doing great things. Obviously, you're from around the world, my, at least around my world, and you're, doing, and, you're doing, and you're doing great things. So feel free to come back on if you start another business or expand or expand to the States. I'd be happy to have you come on and talk about the next phase. I certainly appreciate the work you're doing, and it's a fresh perspective um, that I think, you know, uh, business owners, but non-business owners can think about, or churches could even think about internally in a, in, in a church, right? How do we, how do we uh, use um, capitalism for good in, in local communities? Um, what, whatever way, shape, or form that can take, and you've just taken it to a, a almost, a, not an extreme example, but definitely a great example of, you know, we're doing good, we're making money, we're reinvesting in the people, we're reinvesting in our community, and, and it's a virtuous cycle, I guess. Yeah, I would certainly agree with all of that. And so, yeah, it's, it's rather than being sat on the, the sideline moaning about what's going on in the world to actually get in the game, make a difference and, and prove there is another way. Yeah, if you're going to complain about it, then just jump. It's for, it's for you to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Matt. Oh, thanks. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information, go to brightvibe.com. That's B-R-I-T-E by B-I-B-E.com. Thank you for listening. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.